Um, today's gospel lesson is from the 22nd chapter of Matthew, and it's called the parable of the marriage feast. And it's clear why. Now, in some ways, this is one of the easiest of all of Jesus' parables to understand, because on the surface, there's an obvious meaning. This parable is part of our Lord's controversy with the Pharisees during the last week of his ministry. It's an extension of last Sunday's gospel lesson. Um, and it was very apparent that he was on his way to the cross. The enmity against him had sharpened tremendously throughout the city, and the Pharisees and the scribes and the other rulers of the Jews were plotting to kill him. Knowing this, Jesus spoke very harsh words to them, and he informed them very clearly about what was going to happen. And part of that information was given in the form of this parable which is built upon, as I said, what he had to say to them last Sunday, just as three verses earlier. Now, this is what we heard Jesus say last Sunday in chapter 21, verse 43. He said, therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation producing the fruits of it. And by that statement, he was telling those Pharisees that they would lose their privileged position and that the gospel was then going to go out to all the different nations of the world. In today's gospel lesson, we have our Lord's description of his own ministry and his invitation to the nation of Israel. And we, are, we hear about the refusal of the politicians and religious leaders of Israel, the refusal to heed what Jesus said. And then we hear his warning, warning of the destruction of the city of Jerusalem, and the great temple. And so let's listen again to what Jesus had to say to us today. Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent his servants to go call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have made ready my dinner, my oxen, and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention. They went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants and treated them shamefully and killed them. The king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their cities. So this was a very clear warning of what will happen as a result of Israel's rejection of our Lord's invitation. And it's interesting that Jesus uses a marriage feast as the object of this parable. The wedding feast that he's talking about, it's, it's nothing like our Western modern day weddings. The wedding in this parable is an Eastern wedding. It's a wedding feast, a huge feast. The custom was to invite lots and lots of people to the wedding. Family, friends, neighbors, even whole villages. Everybody was invited to come to the wedding. The invitations to the wedding feast were given months ahead of the actual feast day. The actual wedding feast would last for days, not just a few hours, cocktail hour with some hors d'oeuvres and then a a sit-down dinner and some dancing afterwards. It was a party for days. 
And so the invitations would be sent out, they would be acknowledged, and they'd be accepted. And when the wedding day, day came and all the preparations were complete, servants were then sent out to call those people who had accepted the invitation. Come, the party is ready. And so the invited guests that Jesus is talking about in this parable are the nation of Israel. Historically, they've been invited to the wedding long before, centuries before, in fact. They've been invited through the many prophets that God had sent them. The invitation was to come, have fellowship with the Son, just as it was in this parable. All things are ready. The Son is in the midst. He himself is extending that final call. Come, now, everything's ready. Come and enter into fellowship with me. The bridegroom awaits. But even though they had already accepted the invitation, they refused to answer his call. And that's the picture that Jesus is painting for us here. As a consequence of not answering his call, Jesus tells us that a worldwide invitation will go out to all people, everywhere, not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. And then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. The gospel message with its invitation to worship the Son will go out to all of the world. Everyone is invited. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make any difference whether they have a re respectable reputation, whether they're held in high regard in the eyes of society, whether they're highly educated, what their economic stature, status is, what they do for a living, how much stuff they have, where they live, how old they are or how young they are, no matter who they are. If people have a need, if they want life, whether they're of good reputation or not, they're invited. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is for all men, women, and children, everywhere and for all time. That is the clear message that lies right on the surface of this parable. But let's take a closer look at a few elements in this parable that will unveil its significance for us here this morning and its clear implications for our lives today. First, notice that the occasion is a wedding feast. Wedding feasts, or as we call them today, wedding receptions, they're joyful occasions. They're marked by happiness and music and laughter. And it's important for us to understand that this is the way Jesus characterized God's invitation. His invitation is to a festival party. It's an invitation to joy and to happiness. It's an invitation to life. God's invitation to us is never unhappiness or sorrow or depression or fear or death. God's invitation to us is always to life, to vitality, to excitement, to joy, and to happiness. We will never understand 
the good news of Christ, unless we understand it in those terms, God is inviting us to life. He's inviting us to discover what makes life exciting, challenging, and wonderful. You know, in the past I've talked about one of my favorite movies. It's a really long movie, but Fiddler on the Roof. Do you remember, if you've seen that movie, do you remember this scene when Tevia is dancing around and Lahayam, Lahayam to life and how much excitement and happiness and all that was involved. And that's it. An image of what we're talking about here. God's invitation to life. In today's epistle, St. Paul reminds us, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. See, God's calling us to rejoice. He's calling each one of us to happiness and to joy. And in the same way, he's calling not just us, as individuals, but he's calling Holy Cross Anglican Church to happiness and to joy, to rejoice. God the Father has invited us to a joyful feast and fellowship with his Son. Now notice here, we're talking about an invitation. We're not talking about a summons or a subpoena, some a piece of paper that says report to the judge. We're talking about an invitation. Unlike a summons or a subpoena, you and I have the right to choose to reject the invitation. No one's going to twist your arm to accept it. When God offers this incredible gift of life in Jesus Christ, he doesn't threaten. He doesn't try to coerce or compel us to come. He offers his gift of grace as an invitation which we are completely free to accept or reject. And this applies to every person, no matter who they are or where they are. But wait a minute, didn't Jesus say here in the gospel lesson that the king was angry when they refused to come? And didn't, he, didn't he say that they, the king sent troops and destroyed the people and burned their city? That looks pretty compulsory to me. Well, yes, he did do that. But notice he didn't get mad when they first refused the invitation. Instead, he sent other servants to plead with them. It's another example of God's patience and kindness. There's no resentment on his part, the refusal to come when everything has now been made ready. And so he sends other servants with another call. And he even describes the feast to them trying to entice them to come. Everything is ready, he says. I've made ready the dinner, the oxen and the fat calves. Everything is ready. And he pleads with them to come. But notice the reaction of those people. They made light of the invitation, an invitation to enjoy what they wanted more than anything else. Joy, gladness, fellowship, and happiness. And so when they rejected and refused to come, they were refusing the very thing that they wanted most, the very thing that they needed most. St. Matthew tells us that they made light of it. And so what stopped them? Why did they refuse to come? There's a par parallel passage um, of this uh, event, this Jesus telling this parable 
we find the parallel in St. Luke's Gospel. And Luke tells us that they began to make excuses. One man said, well, I just bought a field, so I can't come. Another said, well, I just bought some oxen and I have to go try them out. It's like I got my brand new car and I need to go for a drive. The third said, I just got married myself and so I don't have time to come to your wedding feast. And so what does all this mean? It means that these men were putting the everyday concerns of their lives before the call to discover and enjoy the secrets of life that only God can offer. They were taking the ordinary, normal manner, matters of business, day-to-day -day life, and counting them as of far greater importance than Christ's invitation. They were putting stuff before God they were putting themselves first, and God last. All we have to do is look around, and we see the same exact problem in the world today. Perhaps magnified, perhaps not. But Matthew tells us that someone even further, they seized the messengers that the king had sent, and they killed them. They not only resisted the invitation and refused it, but they despised and murdered the ones who brought the invitation. And it was then, only then, that the king became angry after they had turned to murdering the ones he sent. Then they had become criminals. And it was then that he came and destroyed the city. All of this reveals a very great mystery about human lives. It reveals that what the marriage feast symbolizes, fellowship with the Son, it reveals that that is so essential, so necessary, and without it, man is destined for destruction. When he refuses the invitation, something happens to him. He begins to deteriorate, fall apart. Either he loses his perspective and, and life turns upside down, so that trivial things become so important and so consuming, while really important things are treated lightly and with scorn, or he becomes fierce and hateful and dangerous, so that he actually breathes out anger and hatred and threatening against the very messenger sent to set him free. As I said, we can see this all around us in the world today. Our secular humanist society has turned a deaf ear to the message of the king. Come, come to the wedding feast. Come to the fellowship with the Son. But the king in the parable is not defeated. He's determined to have guests at his wedding. And so what does he do? The invitation goes out literally to the partings of the highways, to the places that cross the crowded ways of life, where people mingle and mix without distinction. Where all different kinds of people are, the respectable and the not so respectable, the rich and the poor, the young and the old, the haves and the have-nots. And then in verse 11 of our parable, it takes an unexpected turn. A strange thing happens. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, 
How did you get in here without a wedding garment? He was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So in the wedding feast, the high point was when the king himself came in. It was an opportunity to fellowship directly with the king. And when he came in, the king noticed that there was a man at the party who wasn't wearing a wedding garment. He was one of those people who had earlier refused the invitation. So basically, he was there to crash the party. It was a wedding crasher. He was there on false grounds. You see, at every wedding like this, the one who gave the feast always provided a special wedding garment for all the guests to wear. The garments didn't cost the guests anything. They were provided by the host. All they needed to do was accept the invitation, put on the wedding garment, and then they could come to the feast. Yet when the king joins the party, he finds a man that's there without one. Now, it's not difficult to interpret this. Garments are used many times in the scriptures as symbols of righteousness. The wedding garment is a symbol of the gift of righteousness that the Lord gives to those who come with no righteousness of their own. If we renounce our own righteousness, which as the scripture says is like filthy rags, then God has the gift of his righteousness to give to each one of us. We are made righteous when we put on Christ as our wedding garment. Sadly, there are many people who call themselves Christians outwardly, but who inwardly reject the call to the feast. There are many who refuse to put on the righteousness of Christ. There are many who are willing to come to the party without the wedding garment. My brothers and sisters in Christ, the King has invited us to the feast. He's invited you to the feast. Everything is ready. The sun is in our midst, and he himself is extending this final call. We can join the party because God has provided us with our wedding garment. He's provided us with the righteousness of Christ. And so the question is, Will you come? Will you put on the righteousness of Christ? Will you accept God's invitation to life itself and to eternal happiness? Will you join the party? It's never too late to answer that call, but the choice is yours. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.